Jesus taught the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I told you. Amen. My dear Christian friends, grand openings are always big events, fireworks, balloons, bouncy houses, all ways to grab people's attention. Come here, see what's happening. In March of 1997, we had the grand opening of Faith Lutheran Church in Radcliffe, Kentucky. Even though the people and the brand new pastor had been meeting together for worship for several months, we still wanted to have a grand opening service to show ourselves to the community. And we promoted that grand opening service with a lot of canvassing. 6,000 homes canvassed through door and phone canvassing. And then we were blessed to have a front page news story on the newspaper. On June 20th, we will have the official last service of Epiphany and New Hope churches. And then on June 27th, we will celebrate the grand opening of Water of Life Lutheran Church of Racine and Caledonia, one church in two locations. We'll have District President Pastor Colander, who is going to be preaching at those services. And we're going to promote it by going around the homes around each campus and putting sticky note flyers about our church on it, on those homes. And then we're going to have refreshments after each one of the services. The Festival of Pentecost could rightly be called the grand opening of the Christian church. Sure, there had been believers and worshipers and disciples before that event. And even though, the, even though Jesus had given the disciples the Holy Spirit in the upper room on Easter evening, this was a momentous event on that Pentecost day when God grew his church from 10 fearful disciples locked in a room to 3,000 people converted and baptized in a single day. God was promoting the growth of his church from a little movement in Jerusalem to a worldwide religion that in one day and one breath spread across the Mediterranean world and beyond. Timing is everything when it comes to grand openings. You want to make sure that there are people there for the grand opening. And God's timing was perfect. Fifty days after the Passover where Jesus was crucified and resurrected is the Harvest Festival and the religious festival of Pentecost. Estimates say that some 150,000 pilgrims were in Jerusalem for the Pentecost festival. And so God's timing is perfect as he makes use of all of those people in Jerusalem for the grand opening of the Christian church. St. Luke reports in chapter 2, verse 1, that they were all together in one place. Well, who are the they? The answer for that, you have to go back to Acts 1, verse 15, where St. Luke mentions the 120 believers that were all gathered together in one place. So the apostles are there, as well as other unnamed believers. Matthias is there. He is the one that was chosen to replace Judas as one of the apostles. 
And did you notice that St. Luke reports that tongues of fire came to rest on each one of them. Yes, a tongue of fire was resting on the head of Peter the Apostle. But a tongue of fire was also resting on unnamed disciple number 57. That there were tongues of fire on James and John, Thomas and Matthias, but also disciple number 120. And what that means for you, and why that's important for you, is if you had been there that day, you would have had a tongue of fire on you as well. Why? Because you are very much like those 120 disciples. You are a sinner. Because that's what you have in common with Peter, James, and John, Matthias, and disciple number 120. You are a sinner who is afraid of persecution, so you stay behind locked doors. You are a sinner who is afraid of commitment, and that's why you're not very faithful in worship or service. You are a sinner who has witnessed Jesus ascend into heaven, and you trust that he rules all things under his feet, and yet you still worry. You are a sinner who knows that Jesus is watching over you, and he is working everything out for your eternal benefit, and yet you still complain. You know that the Holy Spirit has breathed life into you, and yet you still go back to the sins that you know cause death and damnation. You know that Jesus promises to work faith only through word and sacraments, but you keep yourself absent from them. You confess, but you also cringe. You witness, but you also waffle. You receive God's good and gracious gifts, but then you also regret having to give up all of those enjoyable sins. So let's be honest. There are times when we feel that the Christian church today and maybe ourselves feel like the valley of dry bones in Ezekiel's vision. And the question on our lips can be the same question that was posed to the prophet Ezekiel. Can these bones live? Can the church today continue to move and breathe and proclaim in this current generation? And when we ask, can these bones live, we're really asking, can God raise the dead? Can he breathe life into the lifeless? Can he revive and renew and recreate his church? And of course, the answer was and is and will remain a resounding yes. Of course, he can and he does and he will by his spirit, his breath and his words. You are a sinner through and through. By nature, you are dead in sin. You are a lifeless corpse. But on Pentecost, if you had been there, you would have had a tongue of fire on your head too. Why? Because Jesus promised to his disciples in the upper room, and he promised to his disciples of all places and times that you would receive the Holy Spirit. And we receive that Spirit Individually and personally, but we also receive that spirit corporately as we are together as brothers and sisters inside the Christian church. St. Luke reports, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. 
They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Jesus was blowing his spirit breath over this little Christian church. He had already done this with his apostles in the upper room on Easter evening when he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. And now Jesus is sitting at God the Father's right hand on his golden throne and he is glorified and he is majestic and he is breathing out the breath and fire of the Holy Spirit. This is what we heard Jesus promise to his disciples in our gospel lesson. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything as I have said to you. And so the Holy Spirit comes as our paraclete. That word means that he is our helper, our comforter, our guide and counselor who brings us to Jesus with his indescribable gifts. He convicts us with the law. He comforts us with the gospel. He sanctifies us with his sacraments. The Spirit is the breath of the church, breathing life into dry, dusty bones, raising us from sin and death to life. He is enlivening, enlightening, and gathering us together within the Christian church. And now, like those 120 disciples filled with breath, enlightened with flame, and gifted with speech, we go out. Because just as Jesus died and rose and ascended into heaven for the church and for the world, and so now he sends the Holy Spirit out into the world to create the Christian church. As a part of that church, you are enlightened with the flame of the Spirit. You are gifted with the speech of the Spirit. You are filled with the breath of the Spirit. And that means as part of the Spirit-filled Christian church, you need to speak up. You need to speak out. We are a speaking, preaching, proclaiming church. And just as you have been changed from a sinner into a saint, from a heathen into a believer, from a dead corpse into a living, breathing soul, now God wants you to use the means of grace, the gospel and word and sacraments to give that life-giving breath of the Spirit to other people. In his book, You Found Me, Author Rick Richardson reports that when unchurched people were asked this question, how effective would invitations to church be through the following methods? They respond in this way. 18% said that a Facebook ad would be effective for them. 29% said that and they prefer an online ad. But those statistics pale to the 51% said that they would go to church if a friend just invited them. And so we want you to join everyone else in our church in canvassing the neighborhoods around our church on June 12th and 19th as we put sticky notes on the doors of the homes around our campuses. And then to take sticky notes and then place them around the homes in your specific neighborhoods. Over the next month, you're going to see 
new signs in front of both of the churches. You'll see a new website, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and other social media. And we want you to share those things with other people. But in in addition to all that, and better than all of those things combined is that you simply talk to other people about Jesus. Invite them to come to church with you so that they can drink deeply from the water of life and get to know their Savior better like you have gotten to know him. The Holy Spirit is like a fresh breeze that blows across the face of the earth, igniting Pentecost fire from all over the place. As we speak right now, Christianity is booming in places like Asia and Africa, while people are amazed that Christianity seems to be shrinking in places like America and Europe. Martin Luther wisely noted that the Holy Spirit is like a little rainstorm that goes from one place and then moves to another place for a little while until it comes back. Well, what a grand opening for the Christian church that first festival of Pentecost must have been. Imagine, instead of being one of the 120 disciples, think about what it would have been like if you were in the crowd that day. One of those 150,000 pilgrims that were in Jerusalem for the Pentecost festival. That you began hearing about this Jesus, about his crucifixion and resurrection and ascension for you and for your salvation. And you got to hear it in your own native language with your nouns and verbs, with your accent and dialect. For a brief moment, the curse of Babel was reversed. For a moment, everything that separates us was reversed and we were united in Christ. And at the close of the day, 3,000 people were converted and baptized in the name of Jesus. And then think about what happened when those people returned to their homes. They were like seeds scattered out onto a field. And then you can imagine in the weeks and months and years after that, that Little congregations began sprouting up all over the world like flowers blooming in the desert. That there must have been a lot of little grand openings in that first century. Epiphany celebrated her grand opening to this Racine community 94 years ago. And now on June 27th, we're going to be celebrating the grand opening of Water of Life Lutheran Church. But really... It's just a change of name and just a change of a little bit of the ministries. Because if you're paying attention, what has gone on, we pray, will continue to go on as you see little openings all the time. The the baby that's brought to the font to be baptized. And then heaven is open to him or her for this little saint. The confirmand who makes his or her confirmation vows. And then the communion rail is opened to that confirmand. The adult confirmands, the transfers, and the professions of faith that join our congregation. And then they are open to serve alongside of you in their new church home. The little children that come to WLS for the first time this next year. And maybe they get to hear about Jesus 
for the first time in a prayer instead of in a curse word. The children who attend our Water of Life soccer camp, and they are taught that the two things that they'll learn at camp are the two things they're going to be doing in heaven, praising Jesus and playing soccer. And then you think of the end of life. When we're here gathered together at the, to celebrate the life and the, more importantly, the eternal life of a saint. That though there are tears of sadness and our hearts are heavy, our hearts are really rejoicing because when that person took his or her last breath in the hospice care, he or she then took their first fresh breath of paradise as paradise was open to the saint. But the difficulty of any grand opening is to keep the same fervor and enthusiasm throughout the life of a business or a church that you had leading up to the opening. So perhaps the greater miracle of the grand opening of the Christian church is that it has remained steady and strong for 2,000 years. It, she has survived Divisions, heresies, persecutions, false prophets, corrupt clergy, hypocritical members, and more. And if the church were any other secular organization or human institution, she would have died a spectacular death long ago. But the Spirit of Christ continues to breathe life into her church. The Spirit of Christ continues to breathe into our lungs and put words into our mouths and into our ears. The Spirit of Christ continues to open up our mouths so that we may declare the praises of Him who called us out of darkness and into His marvelous light. The Spirit of Christ continues to call, gather, enlighten, and sanctify the whole Christian church on earth. And you are a part of this living, breathing Pentecost church, bearing witness that these dry, dead bones of all of us to gather together in the church are actually living and breathing because of our crucified and resurrected Savior who is alive. His death is yours. His life is yours. His spirit is yours. And the grand opening of the Christian church continues to be yours. Amen.